The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Next, co-founder of Hillsong Church, Bobby Houston, reflects on 20 years of worldwide women's ministry. And then at the same time, I see an awakening in the, in the body of Christ. And I think God is actually awakening His church to this weapon that we have, to how to use it. And we can beg and plead and hope that someone's going to change a family member or a partner or whatever. And I feel like God is saying, hey, listen, let prayer do the hard lifting. Let prayer do the work. Today, James and Betty are not here today, so I get the awesome privilege of sitting in this chair. And can I just say, we don't take it for granted that you tune in and that you support us. We're so grateful. And it's my prayer today that whatever your real need is in your life, that God will meet you wherever you are. Sometimes you can't even express what you need. But you know, in those times, the Holy Spirit has promised that He will be able, with sighs and groans, to, to communicate your need to the Father. So it's my prayer that during this time together that you will be incredibly blessed by a sense of the, the closeness, the presence of God. And my guest is going to do that. I'll never forget the first time that I met Pastor Bobby Houston. It was at um, a color conference in Wembley Arena in London. And I remember she took the stage thinking, I think this is the way we were always supposed to be as women. Grace, strength, and beauty, and kindness. You can hear a lot more. Please welcome my guest, Pastor Bobby Houston. Thank you, Miranda. I'm so happy that I'm here with you. Uh, I am thrilled. <laughs> I'll never forget that very first time because I was so nervous. I hadn't been back in England to minister in over 20 years. Right. And I remember the very early days with Youth for Christ when we would pray and pray and pray to see one person come to Christ. But to see that arena filled with girls mm -hmm. worshiping God, and what you presented on stage was better than any West End show I'd ever seen in terms of the quality <laughs> of the production. But take us back a little bit. Okay. Um, and before we get into your story, tell me a little bit about where the vision for a conference for girls came from. Right. Well, first of all, it's just lovely to be here. I really appreciate the time. And, um, you know, it's always an honor to come and, and have a chat. And I love you. You're beautiful. You're the best. Thanks, um, okay, well... Brian and I, obviously Brian and I are pastors of Hillsong Church, so we're local pastors at the core of everything. And, uh, you know, when you're local pastors, obviously you're, you're hopefully caring for the well-being of men and women, young people, youth, what have you. And so a lot of years ago, um, you know, 20 years ago, 21 years ago, I just felt God really um, speak to me and compel me to create um, an environment. First and foremost, an environment, which just happened to then become a conference, but an environment that would actually believe in girls believe in women, that would gather them, that would, um, and then t tell them two things. So when God spoke to me and gave me that directive, which was so out of character for me, like he had to kind of speak quite clearly, um, he said, create this environment for young women girded about with older women, which is a beautiful mm. picture. Tell them two things. I've never forgotten. Tell them, number one, that there's a God in heaven who believes in them, mm. truly, and people need to hear that. And second, that they're not alone, that there's actually... Um, a company of others, um, you know, in context of this, a sisterhood, 
alongside so they're not doing life alone. And so that's really where it began. That was the prompting, that was what I feel was the directive. I call it the God whisper for me now. Mm-hmm. And like all these years on, 20 plus years on now, um, I guess the movement that has emerged and what we're seeing God do on the earth with his daughters is actually proof for me that what I actually heard was actually what he said. It took me a while to say that, you know, because it's like you start with small beginnings and then you, it, 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 you know, becomes what it becomes by the grace of God. So that's where it began for me. I just started with what was in my hand, 600 girls from our, our local church, very humble beginnings. But you know what, Sheila, I've never, by the grace of God, I've never deterred from the original directive. So it keeps it simple for me. Mm. I know what I'm doing in this regard. And so, you know, to see this thing roll out around the world and to see the ripple effect of it, um, you know, it's miraculous. To God be the glory, actually. Yeah, and I remember (laughs) trying to explain to my husband after that first night at Colour. It was kind of like, I mean, I tried to explain it to him, but I was actually sobbing on the phone because it was what I'd always dreamt might be possible for women you know for you had some older women you had younger girls and it was just the sense of we stand together you know and that you you've sat you so encourage women to stand up i know you disappeared that night i was like we went to supper i'm like where is sheila she's my guest where is she and they're like she's gone home and then i find afterwards that you're like having a little God encounter in your hotel room. I honestly was, I mean, I, I can't put it into words because I knew I was supposed wow. to be at that blooming dinner, but I'm back in my <laughs> hotel room and I'm literally sobbing on the floor Aww. because of all the years of loneliness in ministry as a woman and not imagining that this could happen. And to see what happened on the platform that night was really overwhelming for me. Wow. So take us back a little bit because what I did not know until I read Bobby's book is called The Sisterhood, and it's, it's fantastic. The thing that I didn't realize until I read the book was you never saw yourself as a platform person, that you oh were actually gosh. quite shy. I would never have guessed that from how you appeared on stage. You looked like you were, it felt like we were in your living room. <laughs> and you were so comfortable and you were just calling us all to, to uh, kind of get closer. You know, I think it has become like that. So whether it's a stadium or not, filled with literally tens of thousands of women, it feels like a lounge room. And I think we actually labour to that end so that girls can come in and it's like it's like this. Yeah. Just multiply by a few thousand. But, um, yeah, I don't know. What was the question again, my love? I was just... <laughs> Okay, let me explain something to you here. Bobby has, um, this is the, the tail end of the color conferences in Sydney, then she flew to South Africa, then she flew to Kiev, then she flew to London, then she flew to New York, and then she came here. So the fact you're still sitting upright and didn't, you know, require a yeah, lazy boy is just, you know. I've just done six weeks of conference, yeah. so I joke, you know, look, if I'm not coherent, you fill in the gaps for me. So. But the fact that you were, um, when you were a young girl, what did you think your oh, future was going to be? I never saw myself like that. Totally. No. And I still don't, actually. It still shocks me. So I think, I, I think in all truthfulness, it's, um, it's the conviction of your life. Mm-hmm. And so I'm compelled by a conviction that makes me step over my fear line. So, no, I am not ambitious in any way for platform or for prominence or for anything like that. But it's a conviction. And so I have learned to overcome my fears my natural inclination to draw back, to be behind the scenes. Like, I'm happy if I'm in a room of high-end personalities, I'll just draw back. That's my personality. But it's the conviction of our lives that actually compels us to probably do things that we thought we were never capable of or able to, 
But of course, that's the miracle of God, isn't it? He knows the greatness he's put within all of us. And he's put that greatness within, there's seeds of greatness within every single person. Um, We're all called to contribute to this great kingdom adventure in some way or another. We're all gifted and talented in different ways according to that. Mm -hmm. And I think when you, again, water that in people, when you create an environment that believes in them, it ignites, it waters, it nourishes, and it comes to the surface. So that's actually one of the miracle stories actually within this whole, um, I I guess, dynamic and awakening that actually is the sisterhood, which is the daughters. It's God's daughters at this time in history. Wow. So I, I love it. <laughs> the fact that you have become a voice for those who were never given a voice. I mean, one of the things that shocked me in your book is you talk about going to, you know, to Russia, to Kiev for a conference, yeah. and you have these little bracelets that you're going to give out as a gift because sure. you always, you're a gift-giving person. Um, and then you're trying to get them through customs, and one of the customs officials in Russia said, you know, women... Yeah. How did he put it? Yeah, well, they weren't silver. They were just imitation silver. And we were trying to get, like, I think 1,300 of these bracelets to give to the girls. And a few of us carried them in, and one of the girls accidentally declared them as silver. So obviously that put an alert signal out. And then what happens, they confiscated them, and then the girls were trying to explain, no, these are just a gift for, for women in this part of the world. And he was, it was very militant. I, I mean, it's that... that that terrible misogynist spirit, really. And he was like, no, Russian women do not deserve gift. And he stood his ground and, you know, one of our girls contended with him into the night hours because she, he dug his heels in and she dug hers in because it was like, no, this is more than a bracelet. This is actually an inherent, um, you know, ailment in this, in this culture. Yeah. yeah. So. We fought for those bracelets and we got them like one hour before we needed them. Wow. And the women were overwhelmed. They couldn't actually believe these beautiful Russian-speaking girls. They, they were like, I, we can't believe that somebody would do this. Somebody who does not know us mm-hmm. as in a company of girls who had, you know, um, donated them and gone to this effort. We couldn't, we cannot believe that somebody would do this for us when they don't know us. I was just there like two weeks ago doing the conference and you've been up with me there and they love you. Beautiful woman. But I'm just saying, even like now with the war and the, you know all the complexity there, um, they're like, thank you for not forgetting us. Mm. Thank you for still coming. And I'm wow. like, well, as if I wouldn't. Yeah. Of course we wouldn't forget you. We'll come regardless. But that's huge though, Bobby, because it's easy to go to the places like the New York or Sydney, the places right. where everybody just welcomes you and applauds. But the fact that you go to the places where girls would expect to be forgotten, speaks volumes about the kingdom yeah. of God. And then there are lots of the girls at home, they actually um, contributed and helped sponsor and get them across the line because, you know, the economy's a bit shot up that, mm-hmm. in that part of the world. And But then again, we have a church there, so of course we're going to go. Nothing's going to stop us in that regard. So Let's talk about that because the one thing that was really clear to me from the first time I met you was you are a huge, I mean, your life breath is all about the local church. I love the church. So everywhere you go, whether it's, you know, whether it's Kiev or whether it's Los Angeles or Sydney, that's where you see the expression of Christ through the local church. But you have a way of encouraging women, because I got, when I was there, I got the privilege of preaching at several of the campuses. And you haven't just created an atmosphere, an environment at color conferences, it's present in every single one of your churches as well. It's a place where Mm -hmm. you feel If I'm in the best days of my life or the worst days of my life, I can walk in here and I will be welcomed. Is that a very intentional thing that Brian and you have done? Yeah, well, I think, not I think, I know, at the end of the day, we're pastors. We're pastors of a local church. For us, our local church just happens to be global as well. 
But, um, you know, we love the church. Jesus said the one thing he was going to build in this world is the church. But I think, sadly, in the landscape of the church, um, the word church means many different things to many different people. And that's a tragedy. So you say church to some people and all they see is an institution that has deeply hurt them. Um, you say church to some people and, and it, it, it's um, whatever it is. So I think in speaking about the church, we actually have to define the church that we're speaking of. So my experience of the church is only beautiful. I found Christ at 15. I entered a church that was beautiful, that was missional, that had beautiful worship. My only experience of the church is that. And I think one of the the first defining um, scripture in my heart. I was just weeks old in, in God, but I read the Psalms like the new Christian counselor had told me to do. I read the Psalms and the gospel and I read, you know, Psalm 27. I where, love that. You know, David, Psalm says, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Mm -hmm. So that is defining in my experience, my personal experience. And so I think that translates in the way that we have pastored and built a church, an environment, hopefully, where people can come, experience his presence, experience the word of God, opened and divided beautifully. And in that is transformation. And then you build community that's real, yeah. that's not religious, that's genuine, that lets people come as they are. So you create this atmosphere of health. And I think so many people in the world um, outside of Christ are broken. They, they don't understand home. Mm. One of the you know, things I fought for many years ago, I didn't have to fight for it, but it was a revelation and it's become a revelation, was a sense of welcome home. Mm. So you'll see in all our foyers, everywhere you'll see welcome home because I think when people enter the house of God and come across that threshold and enter into the atmosphere, it's this welcome home. Hopefully welcome home to eternity, but like welcome home. And I think it creates family. And I know we all use it now and it's, it's, it's normal and, you know, familiar. But, but when people experience it, it becomes a revelation to them. Yeah. One of the things, you've divided your book into three sections. And when you get to this third section, there's like a whole new thing that's rising up. Yeah. Um, and you have started, I don't know exactly when it started, this prayer initiative, this yeah. midday, baby midday. Excuse me. Talk to us a little bit about that, because I think yeah. that's one of the most exciting things I've heard in a long time. Well, I, well, I, think, I think prayer is something that um, is inherent within the feminine heart. I think God knows that when the feminine, feminine heart awakens, there's a prayer warrior in there. Amen. Okay, that maternal spirit, okay, it's like we're going to roll up our sleeves and we're going to take care of business. And so prayer has always been on the page um, for us. Many years ago, we um, instigated these prayer maps. So we were thinking, seeing all the complexities of the world, the injustice, the human trafficking, etc. We're like, how can we intelligently address this? A capable, intelligent, virtuous woman. So you've got to like strategize. So we thought, okay, we'll just divide the world up into sections, regions. We'll we'll get intelligent resource on some of the issues that are happening in these regions, and we'll pray intelligently. So it's the prayer maps. And it's always been there. You can go online and find them. But last year, God spoke to me coming out of the London conference and you know, preparing for, like, I guess, this year, our 20th year. Um, the one directive he gave me was um, in context of prayer. And I found him just whisper in my ear and say, Bobby, let prayer do the hard work. Let prayer do the hard work. Wow. And then at the same time, I see an awakening in the, in the body of Christ. And I think God is actually awakening his church to this weapon that we have, to how to use it. And um, I think there's a, like 
a renaissance of prayer happening mm. where we're going to go, hello, how are we going to make a difference here? How are we really going to see um, darkness push back? How are we going to see a breakthrough? And I think sometimes we can beg and plead and hope that someone's going to change a family member or a partner or whatever. And I feel like God is saying, hey, listen, let prayer do the hard lifting. Let prayer do the work. Let it do the work. There's so much to accomplish. We can't do it in our own strength. And so I've seen this. this mid- so we've, I've got this hashtag. It's a bit of a story to it. But spontaneously last August, we, I started I started with this thing like hashtag you are the, You're the hashtag queen. Uh, unfortunately, yes. yes. It's a, if you're on Instagram, Bobby's the hashtag queen. I think it's a condition. <laughs> I love <laughs> anyway, it. I just make it up. People say, you can't do that. And I'm like, who says? Who makes up these <laughs> yeah, rules? You're not the boss of like, me. Yeah, yeah. No. I can hashtag. So <laughs> it's it's become comical. But girls have bought into this. And so mm-hmm. it's a reminder, a midday thing. And there's a storyline behind it, nevertheless. Literally oceans of, of people are uh, just allowing midday to, they're setting, sorry, they're setting an alarm yeah. as a prompter. It's not a religious thing. It's just a prompter to remember, pause, pray about something. Like, let's get some prayers happening in the atmosphere. But that's huge, Bob. I mean, that's well, huge. It is because so many people have, have actually lent in. Mm-hmm. And I can't measure it. Only eternity will tell the story, Sheila. We know this. But so many men are stopping me and... After the Sydney conference, I heard a story because we mobilised the girls in this context, the Sisterhood Fight Club and, you know, what have you. I love and, that um, Sisterhood Fight Club. Yeah, like, What's not to love out. about that? Totally. It's not Ponzi. But I heard a story, <laughs> I heard a story where, like, um, after the conference, somebody was in a hair salon, four alarms went off at midday. See, and they that. all didn't know each other. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. So I don't know. Well, I Who do. Knows? I do. I said on my iPhone, but, but two Sundays ago, I'm preaching in a church, <laughs> and suddenly my alarm went off on my phone, and I'm not finished my yes. message, and I'm like, you know what, guys? Let's just take a moment right now and just pray. That, it's great. Yeah. And that happened in London. Really? You know, in church, midday, all these alarms go off, including mine, and like, you know, poor Holly was preaching, and she's like, what, what, what? And it's like... Alarms going off everywhere. So I just stood up and gave them all a cheer. Yes. And then we turned our alarms off. But men are doing it as well, mm. which is beautiful. Yeah. Like, so you yeah. can actually go online to Hillsong. Is it Hillsong.com? Or what, what, where yeah, would they go online you're to track. get the maps and everything? Um, the Colour Sisterhood. Colour Sisterhood. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fantastic. through there. <laughs> and what I love about this is that um, you're encouraging us all to do what we can do. Yeah. Um, and one of the things we're very committed to here at Life is to hear the cries of women who are crying out on behalf of their children. There are so many um, desperate situations around the world. I was made aware recently of the current situation in, in Angola, and we're actually going back in a couple of weeks. Pictures that I haven't seen since the 1980s of mothers who are desperate to be able to simply provide for their child um, one meal. You know, that's all they're asking. There's no way that with all these prayers in the atmosphere that something's not going to shift and you and I are going to get to be part of it. Please watch this, would you? Everybody knows that there are hungry children in Africa and we know that something needs to be done. UNICEF knows that Angola has one of the highest child mortality rates in the world and malnutrition is a major contributing factor. This village leader knows that without crops, his community is in grave danger. Well, in terms of food here, in this area, we don't have food. We don't have food, but we don't have food. We constantly suffer from 
É assim que nós temos sempre a miséria da comida. This mother knows the heartache of watching her children wither away from malnutrition. Depois disso, já está no meu corpo que está bem mole. Primeiro estava com gosto com sarampo. Depois de sarampo, é diarreia e vômito. And this child knows the pain of going to bed hungry. But just knowing about malnutrition in Africa won't help anyone. The actions that we choose to do together will help save a child's life. You know, I haven't seen pictures like that in 30 years. And this is not some piece that we pulled out of the archives. This is actually happening right now. And you know what? Something my son said to me that has kept me accountable. He said, Mom, once we know something, we're responsible to respond. And every one of us can do something. The amazing thing is that, you know, for $30, you can feed three children for three months. I mean, that's like two movie tickets. For $50, you can help feed five children. Um, $1,000 will help feed 100 children for three months. I don't know what you can do, but one thing I'm absolutely sure about, we can all do something. Let me ask, I mean, if that woman and her little baby, if they were living right next door to you, the minute you knew about it, your immediate response, I know, would be to, to go next door and say, hey, listen, you know, I've got some food here. I've got, I've got a meal I've cooked. I made, you know, double. You know, come over and join us. The amazing thing about when we partner with you is that that woman is not longer just out in the desert in Angola. We've made her our neighbor, and we can do something. When I think of a woman like that, closing her eyes at night and praying to God, please send some help. And then there's those of us who have been given so much. Scripture makes it really clear. However much we've been given, we're responsible for. Some of you can give a big gift, and that is fantastic. And if you do, whatever you do, we will send you this um, great new teaching series. It's called Living Your Destiny. Beth Moore, Lisa Bevere, Christine Kane, Sarah Jakes Roberts, and myself, all about how do you find your destiny. Um, if you want to give more than that, we'll also send Chris's new book, Unashamed, and my new book, The Longing in Me. But please, would you do something? Every one of us can do something. So even if you'll just go call the number on the screen or go to lifetoday.org and let's answer those prayers. I mean, to see those little ones like that and to know that for so little, we can give them such tremendous help. You've responded in the past and we're so grateful. And I'm gonna be there in Angola very soon. And I'm gonna bring back some reports of what God is doing. This is not, uh, we need to do something. This is a holy privilege that we get to reach out in Jesus' name and put a hot meal into the hands of those children and hope into the eyes of those mothers. Thank you. In remote and impoverished areas of Africa, families are suffering, facing death by starvation, and those hit the hardest are the children. Life's Mission Feeding Program is there, ready to feed and care for these children in crisis areas of Angola, Mozambique, and Sudan. With all of our previous reserves gone and Southern Africa facing its worst drought and food shortage in years, we urgently need to replenish our food supplies to reach 400,000 children counting on us. Your life-saving gift of $30, $50, or $100 will help feed and care for three, five, or 10 children for the next three months. 
please also consider a special gift of $1,400 to help sponsor a school and help feed 140 children for three full months. With your gift of any amount, we'll send you the brand new audio series, Living Your Destiny. Hear five outstanding Bible teachers and women of faith share how to live the life God destined for you. With your gift of $100 or more, you'll also receive The Longing in Me by Sheila Walsh and Unashamed by Christine Kane. And finally, with your gift of $1,000 or more, be sure to request Majesty, our 2016 commemorative bronze sculpture. Please call, write, or go online today and make your gift of life to help feed and care for hungry children. Beautiful children, and they're lining up because of love. Not just food, they're lining up because of love. And I just thank God for His love. And then I thank God for the love that you express. It is the love of God for all these children. Betty is here right now, and she's serving up the soup. You know, we've seen lots of lines over in the States. Kids lined up for games, kids lined up for parks, kids lined up to go to a movie. These lines are different. These kids are lined up for food, for life. Won't you join with us? These are the kind of lines that really count. These children need our help. They need, they need someone to make a good choice for them, and that's for life. Please join with us and help us with the mission feeding. Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. And let me tell you, um, Bobby's book is called The Sisterhood. It's amazing. Go grab a copy. It will really change your life. Go online, set your alarm clock for 12 o'clock, pray, pray, and let's see what God will do. Will you please help me thank my beautiful guest, Bobby Houston. Love you so much, so much. Amazing. And we love you. Thanks for being with us, and we'll see you next time on Life Today. God bless. In his new book, The Stream, 
James Robison charts a clear path to personal revival and spiritual revolution in our culture, values, morals, and in government. Reverend Samuel Rodriguez says the stream is a Christ-centered Bible-based prescription for these troubled times. Dr. Ben Carson says this important book points out many ways that we can use our lives to preserve those freedoms that made America great. The Stream, available now online and at retail bookstores. I want to believe that I'm better than the mistakes that I've made. Sarah Jakes Roberts, daughter of Bishop T.D. Jakes, tomorrow. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.